0: Hello and welcome back to Food Toxicology, I'm Greg Muller, the instructor for the course. The question I pose to you here today is how many of you have uh, opened the refrigerator and looked uh, at uh, that uh, bowl of leftovers uh, from a few days ago and had to make a little bit of a risk assessment because there was a little bit of mold on there and could I just scoop it off and perhaps uh, eat that uh, tasty meal. Uh, We've all uh, experienced, uh, uh, in terms of our own uh, food system, uh, the appearance of mold, whether it's there as a uh, byproduct in terms of uh, shelf stability or as a part of the food uh, that we eat. For example, uh, the mold that uh, is in many cheeses. Uh, The title of today's lecture is Toxic Mold and Mycotoxins and what we hope to do is to uh, give you a little bit of a background in this other category of uh, food toxins. Today's learning objectives, what we're going to try to do, is understand the relationship uh, between mold growth and their potential mycotoxins and mycotoxicosis, or uh, mycotoxin-induced disease. Uh, We're going to try to explore some of the environmental conditions for mold growth, uh, how it occurs in nature, understand the major species of toxic molds. Uh, There's a little bit of a differentiation there. Uh, This is not a mycology course, but we're going to try to give you some idea of these major toxic molds of concern and their disease endpoints. We'll try to review the route of exposure to mycotoxins and some of the general pharmacologic effects and the clinical disease presentations associated with mold and mycotoxin. And we'll try to finish off with uh, the discussion of a recent mycotoxin outbreak in Kenya. Well, fungi and mycotoxins, there's about 100,000 species or greater of fungi. It's a very diverse uh, kingdom. Mycotoxins are defined as substances that are produced by these fungi that are harmful to animals or humans. Uh, We've had about uh, 300 or more mycotoxins isolated uh, in terms of our research analysis of of this particular uh, form of toxin. Uh, About 30 of these are well-characterized in terms of not only their presentation but their mode of action, their metabolism, and their toxic endpoints. These are typically ones that are associated with the presentation of human disease and also create a food safety risk. I have a picture down at the bottom of uh, uh, an enlarged corn uh, kernel uh, with uh, a mold infestation on that corn kernel. And we'll talk about some of the molds that grow on corn. Now mold growth uh, can lead to uh, mycotoxin production. Uh, This has a lot to do with the plants, the specific plants involved, uh, the substrate for the mold, Uh, environmental factors in terms of field uh, factors and storage factors that include temperature, humidity, uh, moisture, and oxygen availability, Uh, crop damage uh, will. the potential for mycotoxin production. Uh, Crop damage might result from parasites, drought, or pesticides. Now, in terms of the observations, the general observations we have about mycotoxins is not all moldy feeds or foods contain mycotoxins. So the risk assessment that you do has to bear this in mind in terms of your own refrigerator. Uh, Not all feeds or foods that do contain mycotoxins are toxic, and this has a lot to do with with the dose and the relative toxicity of the particular chemical compound at hand. The food or the feed does not have to look moldy to be contaminated. Uh, so for example, uh, in, in corn meal, uh, it rarely that are you going to be able to actually see uh, the fungal spores or the fungus. Uh, for contaminated peanuts or peanut butter, uh, you won't be able to necessarily see uh, the mold uh, associated with the intoxication risk of contaminated foods. Uh, and the other problem associated with mycotoxin observations is that because it is uh, a mold growth, it may grow in one area of, a, uh, uh, for instance, a, a corn silo. Uh, but it may not be growing in another part of the silo. And so the analysis, uh, the follow-up investigations, uh, the clinical investigations from mycotoxicosis sometimes are frustrated by finding the source because, again, how do you sample something that may be a large sample uh, where the, uh, uh, the mold is not uniformly distributed? In terms of toxic mold disease endpoints, uh, we have four major categories, uh, allergy, mycosis, irritation, and mycotoxicosis. Allergy is a sensitization to the mold or mold products, uh, whereas mycosis is actual infection uh, by the fungus organism uh, itself. Uh, We can have an irritation associated with the mechanical effects of spores uh, that have been inhaled the mycelial debris, or the vault organics that are produced uh, by some types of mold and fungus. Uh, Historically, uh, uh, you will recall uh, our comments in here that there were some forms of mold uh, impacting um, uh, medieval and uh, later uh, wallpapers in Europe that contained heavy metals such as arsenic uh, for pigments. Uh, that volatilized uh, some of the arsenic and led to arsenicosis uh, in inhabitants in these rooms. Um, Mycotoxicosis is the final category, and this is where we actually have a mycotoxin and a clinical disease uh, manifestation. In terms of uh, looking at a matrix of the major categories of toxic molds and the disease outcome, uh, the fungus categories, uh, st- Stachybotrys, uh, coccidiotis, claviceps, fusarium, uh, aspergillus are the major categories. You can see by the presentation on this matrix of a plus symbol, a plus minus symbol, or a minus symbol for not reported, suggests that the toxic molds have a, a, a significant endpoint in allergy, uh, mycosis, uh, irritation, and uh, all except for uh, otis. Uh, mycotoxicosis so we don't have mycotoxins necessarily being produced by that particular species now mycotoxins why do these toxins appear in in molds Uh, they're considered to be the resting stage uh, secondary metabolites Um, these compounds are typically low molecular weight Uh, like many secondary compounds they're not required for growth Uh, you have to ask the question uh, why do they appear and we could probably answer that Uh, in terms of ecological biochemistry. Uh, It probably is an energy storage product or competitive advantage in terms of uh, uh, enhancing or decreasing uh, the possibilities of uh, predation. There are beneficial uses uh, of mycotoxins. We're all aware of the use of penicillin uh, from penicillium mold. Uh, And there are other drugs uh, that are extracted from various types of fungi. The adverse effects uh, of some mycotoxins include just generalized toxicities that we'll talk about as well as the potential for carcinogenesis. Stachybotrys uh, is a uh, a common uh, fungus uh, associated with hay and cellulose products. Uh, You'll find this in water-damaged buildings. Uh, It sometimes uh, is referred to as toxic house mold. Uh, If you're from the Midwest or the southeastern part of the United States where the conditions uh, for this uh, mold growth are are, are ripe, so to speak, uh, you probably have read in the local newspapers about toxic house mold and the management of of potential, uh, minimizing the potential for toxic house mold. Uh, There are some uh, issues associated with the relative risks of these molds. Uh, Are they indeed as toxic as the media would have you believe? Um, In terms of uh, Stachybotrys, uh, this is a picture of uh, Stachybotrys contaminated straw on the top. Uh, You see the dark fungal deposition on this. Uh, Persons handling this kind of straw obviously can be exposed to uh, this particular uh, fungus and its toxins. This is an image of a water-damaged wall in a house and uh, fungal uh, deposition, uh, fungal growth, mold growth uh, on this uh, from Stachybotrys. Uh, This typically is an indicator of uh, uh, some potential for uh, sensitization via allergy sensitization or uh, intoxication through this mold. Uh, it's not a good thing to have around the house and typically is going to uh, encourage the homeowners uh, to do uh, quite a bit of renovation. Stachybotry uh, in animals, the clinical progression. There's an irritation uh, of the mouth, throat, uh, and nose, shock, dermal necrosis, leukopenia. Uh, there can be pulmonary, pulmonary effects uh, in terms of inflammation and hemorrhage, and then following uh, nervous disorder and death in uh, there were several historical observations of uh, uh, toxicity from uh, stachybotrys Uh, in 19th century russia there was numerous veterinary and human epidemics Uh, clinical condition we'll describe uh, in more detail later uh, ata or elementary toxic alukia in 1931 a large incidence in ukraine from inhalation of mold uh, from hay and contaminated bedding In terms of occupational exposure, we occasionally hear uh, about it uh, in cottonseed oil plants, grain elevators, malting plants, and as various uh, textile mills uh, that use uh, organic materials. In 1996, employees at a German uh, horticultural facility uh, actually experienced dermal irritation working with uh, disposable paper plant containers uh, that had had a significant amount of stachybotrys uh, uh, mold growth uh, on them. The toxins uh, associated uh, with this uh, type of mold are uh, given here on this slide just to illustrate. Uh, these are uh, quite often um, cyclic uh, compounds of various uh, sizes and dimensions. Um, these, uh, the variability of uh, these uh, is difficult in terms of tracking specific metabolic pathways and impacts in terms of the progression of clinical disease stachybotry toxicosis uh, in humans uh, if we have inhalation or dermal exposure the clinical progression starts with a dermatitis this is what was experienced by the workers in the German horticultural facility they had an irritation followed by a sloughing of the skin on their fingertips uh, upper respiratory respiratory symptoms fever leukopenia headache fatigue and then typical uh, recovery following uh, removal of the source. The linkage between uh, Stachybotrytoxicosis and human disease has been explored in epidemiological study by the CDC. They have not found linkage between infantile pulmonary hemorrhage, which is typically uh, the cause of death in in individuals where there is a potential for etiologic linkage uh, between toxic mold and human health Uh, but they found that the data was insufficient to make that uh, linkage next group of uh, toxic mold is uh, coccidiotis this gives you a micrograph of uh, this slide and the spores uh, that you can kind of see within uh, each of the components it was first described in 1894 in California referred to as valley fever Uh, it comes from the inhalation of the fungal hyphae Um, most cases are asymptomatic or self-revolving the uh, 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 x-ray here the chest x-ray shows uh, some nodular infiltrates uh, characteristic of some of the inflammation associated with uh, coccidiomycosis Uh, coccidiomycosis is actually a disease of the Americas, uh, referred to again as uh, Valley Fever from its first presentation in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, You can see in terms of the yellow colors here how it comes up to the southeastern part of the United States and into the Central Valley of California, but does uh, actually, it is endemic in certain parts of uh, the central part of South America. Um, CDC refers to it as an emerging disease. Uh, There were uh, significant blips in terms of uh, epidemiological monitoring of this disease in Southern California in the early 1990s It caused a significant amount of concern. People uh, that are immune compromised are at risk in terms of battling uh, this particular fungal infection. The symptoms of guxidiomycosis uh, include acute bronchitis, uh, chills, sore throat, pneumonia, and leukocytosis. Uh, the progression of the disease starts with a fever and then anorexia and late weight loss, uh, some skin ulcerations and abscesses. You can see this on this uh, uh, image here on this particular slide. Uh, progressive cyanosis uh, potentially renal and hepatic involvement in the full progression of this particular disease without uh, clinical uh, therapeutic treatment our next uh, category of toxic mold is uh, claviceps uh, uh, such as claviceps uh, purpurea uh, claviceps uh, paspali. it grows in wet and over uh, wintered grains uh, particularly rye, barley and wheat uh, it's characterized by the developments of uh, sclerotia or ergots, uh, and so you'll hear this referred to uh, as uh, ergots. These ergots are hard packed uh, fungal tissue or mycelium. Uh, you can see it in this particular uh, grain image, these dark uh, ergots that appear. These are hard packed uh, uh, accumulations of the, the mold. Uh, Ergotism is uh, the clinical syndrome associated uh, with claviceps uh, uh, intoxication. It can lead to uh, gangrene uh, and uh, convulsions and GI impact. In livestock, uh, decreased weight gains, uh, milk production, and reproductive efficiencies. In terms of the chemical compounds associated with ergots, ergotamine is the one that is most studied. It's an analog of lsd and so it's a hallucinogenic it is a vasoconstrictor it can lead to gangrene and a condition uh, referred to as saint anthony's fire Uh, this gives you an idea of what the the molecular structure of ergotamine is Uh, historically uh, the presentation of uh, ergotoxicity in humans uh, because of its hallucinations Uh, Because of the the general psychoactive aspects of this particular intoxications, Uh, these individuals were sometimes uh, uh, regarded as possessed, uh, especially by church officials uh, because uh, uh, of their uh, clinical manifestations. Uh, And uh, in fact, uh, in this next article, uh, which I'll leave you to read, Uh, It talks about uh, that perhaps the Salem witch trials were uh, not much more than uh, the uh, diagnostic uh, misinterpretation, perhaps, of ergotism uh, from the uh, crop storage uh, associated with early Massachusetts and ergotism presentation uh, in some individuals and uh, that toxic impact, neurotoxic impact in terms of their behaviors. How does uh, ergot exposure occur? Um, the particular fungus uh, grows in soil and, uh, and the spores can uh, be released when grain flowers. It lands on the uh, stigma, it germinates, and the hyphae extend into the ovary where it actually replaces the ovary or the part of the seed. The, hardens, uh, the hardened ergot body uh, or uh, sclerotium uh, actually uh, uh, becomes a part of the grain recycle as it drops back to the soil. Uh, infects the soil, and then uh, recycles in the next generation of grain grown on the land. Now how uh, this happens uh, in terms of human exposure, the seeds and the ergots, uh, these dark granules uh, contaminating uh, the seed head, (coughs) are harvested together. uh, in typical processing uh, for uh, crops that have potential for ergot exposure there can be screening uh, uh, techniques to actually separate the ergots based on size and weight. Uh, human exposure occurs by ingesting uh, grain or food impacted from ergots. Now, the ergot toxins are, are actually very bioactive chemical compounds. <clears throat> they include uh, ergonovine, ergovaline, ergocene, ergocristine and primarily ergotamine. Ergotamine is actually produced uh, medicinally for vascular uh, problems, for migraine headaches, and for uh, postpartum uterine hemorrhage uh, in childbirth or in abortions. Uh, The types and concentrations of alkaloids uh, vary on a case-by-case basis in terms of its presentation in ergots. The pharmacological effects of ergots uh, include vasoconstriction. This vasoconstriction does lead to gangrene. It's a serotonin agonist, so there are the potential for neurological effects. There are dopamine uh, effects as well. It's an agonist. Uh, Agalactia, which is the lack of uh, flow of milk following uh, childbirth, is uh, one of the pharmacological effects of ergot. In terms of the vasoconstriction leading to gangrene, uh, this uh, uh, has the appearance of advanced frostbite. Uh, Historically, there have been uh, many human uh, toxicoses associated with ergot clinical disease. Uh, In France, in 944 AD, there's uh, documentation of about 40,000 people uh, dying from gangrenous limbs. Uh, its presentation starts with pain and swelling and numbness, uh, following by necrotizing uh, of the tissue, uh, and then death, uh, or in the cases of uh, pregnant individuals, pregnant women, abortion of the fetus. The clinical disease, uh, from a neurological uh, point of view, it, uh, the individual uh, presents with tremors and convulsions, uh, tingling, uh, feeling like ants crawling under the skin, uh, St. Uh, Elmo's uh, f- uh, fire. Uh, there's itching, numbness, twitching, spasms, and seizures. Uh, this all has uh, it changes in individuals' behavior, and you can look back in terms of uh, historical presentation, especially in medieval times, of ergotism uh, in terms of a mental uh, uh, presentation and perhaps a misinterpretation of a disease uh, being uh, uh, a possession uh, by uh, evil spirits. In terms of uh, uh, USDA and FDA, there are action levels set for ergots in grains. Our next category of uh, toxic molds is one that is of great concern, especially in developing countries. Uh, fusarium, uh, it uh, affects corn, wheat, and barley. Uh, there are veterinary and public health concerns. Uh, the major toxins associated with fusarium molds are trichothecenes, zearalenone uh, and fumonisin the uh, trichothecenes zearalenone and fumonisin uh, have uh, occur uh, simultaneously in various types of species of uh, fusarium and they have uh, different uh, potential clinical presentations the trichothecenes are sesquiterpenoid uh, tetracyclic compounds Uh, This particular type of compound, because of its toxicity and the acute nature of its toxicity, uh, has seen some use in biological warfare. Uh, There's a a record of its potential use uh, in Laos and Cambodia uh, during and after the uh, Vietnam War. Uh, There was a a potential for it having been used uh, as well in Iraq uh, during the uh, Saddam Hussein regime in terms of uh, uh, his uh, uh, war against the Kurds. The trichothocines uh, or T2 toxins uh, include T2 toxins, uh, nivalinol and DON or uh which we've talked about in terms of uh, biotransformation. Uh, these contain uh, epoxide rings uh, and there is a potential for Uh, reactivity with those epoxides in biotransformation and metabolism the metabolism of t2 toxin in terms of uh, hepatic microsomes you see a phase one metabolism uh, increasing the number of hydroxyl groups on it Uh, in terms of uh, intestinal microflora biotransformation the epoxide uh, is broken down The metabolites of T2 are less toxic than the T2 parent compound. In terms of animal toxicity associated with T2, uh, digestive disorders, uh, feed refusal, uh, bloody diarrhea, intestinal problems, hemorrhage associated with the stomach, uh, heart intestines, edema or swelling, oral lesions, blood disorders, it's immunotoxic. Uh, We find that the LD50 of T2 toxin is about 3 to 5 milligrams per kilogram, uh, and the dose-response curve, if you look at the shape of the dose-response curve, uh, it's very steep, and that's an indication of rapid uh, transition from no or low effects to uh, very uh, high effects in terms of percent of lethalities. T2 is a dermal toxin. Uh, This uh, image is a skin lesion from a hairless uh, guinea pig. At one day after the application of uh, 2550, uh, 100 and 200 nanograms of T2 and two microliters of methanol, you can see that even after one day, this uh, can be regarded as being a blistering agent. Uh, Blistering agents are actually a category of chemical warfare agents. Uh, When human skin is exposed uh, in vivo, and this has happened through laboratory accidents uh, in terms of uh, individuals working with this particular toxin, uh, very small amounts, uh, amounts that can go through a hole in a glove, uh, can have a response of severe uh, cutaneous irritations that can last uh, a week or two after the exposure. In terms of human toxicity from T2, the dermal exposure will yield uh, the cutaneous necrosis and inflammation. Oral exposure, <coughs> excuse me, will lead to <coughs> lesions in the upper GI and uh, potentially to ATA. Um, because of the lipophilic nature of uh, trichothecenes, they are rapidly and completely absorbed in the gastrointestinal tract, and therefore have the ability to impact all of your major organs. Uh, It causes cell death by ribosomal binding uh, and this leads to an inhibition of protein synthesis. Uh, There is a potential as well for ocular exposure and corneal injury. This is more of a uh, chemical warfare type or biochemical warfare type injury. ATA uh, is uh, Alimentary uh, Toxic uh, Aleukea Toxicosis. It goes through uh, four stages. The first stage is immediately after the consumption of grain products. There's an inflammation of the GI and intestinal mucosa, uh, followed by some dizziness, uh, tachycardia, and fatigue. The second stage is uh, characterized by leukopenia, um, and there is uh, a, a presentation of a progressive lymphocytosis uh, third stage is characterized by the appearance of uh, uh, bright red rashes uh, across the chest and other areas of the body. Uh, the fourth stage, these necrotic lesions can heal up and the body temperature can, can uh, fall, uh, f- followed by uh, a recovery in, in many cases. Uh, this has to do with uh, a uh, low-dose uh, chronic or acute uh, exposure. The other uh, mycotoxin uh, formed uh, by Fusarium is zearalenone or ZEN. Uh, it's uh, found in corn, wheat, barley, oats, sorghum, and hay. Its uh, characteristic environment is one of high humidity and low temperature, kind of like the autumn harvest in the upper Midwest of the United States. Uh, it's often coincident with uh, T2, although it does have a different disease presentation. In terms of animal toxicity, we find uh, the dose of greater than uh, a tenth of a part per million in swine will yield estrogenic effects. Uh, in uh, larger dose in swine, uh, you'll have a decreased reproduction effect, uh, cycling conception, ovulation, all will be impaired. In boars, uh, greater than one uh, a tenth of a part per million, uh, zearalenone will yield feminization, uh, testicular trough, atrophy and enlarged uh, nipples. In cows, we observe decreased uh, conception rates. The mechanism of action of xoralenone is it is an estrogenic uh, disruptor, so it binds to the estrogen receptor. Its binding availability is greater than 17-beta estra, uh, equivalent to 17-beta estradiol, but less than uh, estradiol. The receptor affinity across species uh, is greatest for swine uh, than rat uh, than chicken in terms of its comparative toxicity. Fumonacin is another uh, um, category of uh, uh, mycotoxin. Uh, It's universal in corn. It's also found in wheat, barley, oats, uh, sorghum, and hay. It's associated with high humidity and low temperature as well. Um, It's also uh, found uh, coincident with uh, T2. Horses and pigs are considered to be most susceptible to fumonisin toxicity. Uh, the particular mycotoxin FB1 is uh, also considered to be the most toxic, and I've given the structure formula on this particular slide. In terms of animal uh, toxicity, fumonisin B1 is neurotoxic. In horses, it causes uh, leukoencephalomalacia, Uh, moldy corn toxicosis there's a rapid onset of this particular disease Uh, there is feed and water refusal some lameness Uh, there is uh, cerebral edema and uh, liquefaction of some of the parts of the brain in pigs uh, you find a disease syndrome called pulmonary edema uh, or porcine pulmonary edema syndrome Uh, this is an edema of the hydrothorax in the lung uh, it is usually fatal in this species. Uh, we find that fumonosin is also uh, a liver carcinogen and hepatotoxin. A, a in terms of its uh, uh, presentation or it's uh, dose to horses at 1 to 126 parts per million, it can be fatal to horses, uh, it can be a liver toxic, to- uh, toxin at higher doses. In terms of uh, uh, swine exposure. At less than one to five parts per million, we see hepatic toxicity, but at larger doses we see acute pulmonary edema uh, associated with the syndrome. In sheep, we've observed uh, nephritis. Uh, the FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine has established action levels for fumonisin B1 uh, in animal feeds. Now there is a concern about fumonisin in the uh, uh, human food chain in terms of uh, its potential as a toxin and a carcinogen. Uh, it, there's questions about its appearance as uh, potential appearance in milk residues and meat residues. In a survey in 1996 in three areas of Costa Rica, 89% of the corn grown in those areas was contaminated with fumonisin uh, from Fusarium molds. Fumonisin carcinogenic potential arises because it is a secondary carcinogen. It's a promoter. Uh, it's been linked epidemiologically with esophageal cancer in South Africa, Italy, China, and South Carolina. Uh, it comes from areas where corn is a staple. Uh, it perhaps presents in homebrewed beer that uses corn products, moonshine, and polenta. The final category of toxic molds is uh, aspergillus. It concerns us because it is uh, a dietary carcinogen or one of its mycotoxins are are dietary carcinogens. Uh, The mycotoxin of greatest concern and the one perhaps most studied is aflatoxin B1. The afla and aflatoxin comes from the name of aspergillus flavus, afla. Um, It's a universal uh, mold food contaminant. Uh, It is monitored heavily in the human food system in corn, peanuts, wheat, and rice. It's an animal carcinogen at five parts per billion. Uh, It's a nice molecule because it uh, is fluorescent and so uh, contaminated, uh, mold contaminated uh, materials uh, will give uh, ultraviolet fluorescence. The FDA action level uh, is 20 parts per billion in food. It's a known human liver carcinogen. It binds to the N7 guanine to form a DNA adduct. Um, it's a lo- lung cancer risk in terms of uh, occupational exposure in, uh, to grain dust uh, greater than 4,000 parts per billion of this particular uh, aflatoxin. It's a problem in the food industry and in grain handling for those involved in harvest, transport, uh, storage, or processing of grain products. Uh, aflatoxin B1 does uh, require uh, bioactivation. Uh, so this is a classic example in our toxication of toxication in our biotransformation discussions. This happens via cytochrome P450. Um, the reaction sequence is listed on this slide. And here we have the substrate. Uh, being oxidized by cytochrome P450. This is the biooxidation, the bioactivation that happens to uh, uh, aflatoxin B1. The next slide gives you the complex uh, pathways associated with this uh, enzymology. Uh, here we see the activation of aflatoxin B1 to the epoxide over here, the epoxide, very reactive. This is what yields DNA binding uh, and potential for mutations and thus uh, carcinogenicity. A more complex representation of the aflatoxin B1 metabolic pathways is given on this slide. Uh, If we start off with the parent compound associated uh, with uh, aspergillus, you can see that there are multiple pathways uh, that this can take. Uh, What we find in terms of its metabolic biotransformation, the one that we just looked at, the development of the epoxide, the binding with DNA in terms of um, N7-guanine interaction forming an adduct is uh, the track for carcinogenesis. Uh, We find the appearance, for example, of aflatoxins from uh, dairy cows. Uh, We find aflatoxin uh, presented in the milk in the form of this compound down here, aflatoxin M1 so this gives you an idea of the diversity of metabolic byproducts of aflatoxin b1 in animals now in terms of uh, aflatoxin in the human food chain there is an etiological role um, in disease presentation Uh, these have been linked by follow-up studies in epidemiology Uh, this is a situation where um, a uh, food toxicant predisposes the individual to other uh, challenges, be it nutritional uh, or other sorts of disease manifestations. There has been a linkage to Indian childhood cirrhosis, uh, various forms of hepatotoxicity, immune suppression, kwashiorkor, which is uh, the typical uh, starvation presentation in malnourished children especially, and as well its linkage for carcinogenesis. In recent times, in uh, in the 1900s and up through the 2004, we've seen aflatoxin outbreaks in terms of animal disease and in human populations. One of the most recent documented uh, outbreaks was in Kenya in between January and July 2004. Uh, The CDC was actually called in in a supportive role in this disease investigation there was an outbreak of jaundice and liver failure there was a high fatality rate associated with the populations afflicted with this particular syndrome of disease there were 317 reported cases and of these uh, 125 uh, were reportedly uh, uh, died from from uh, this particular intoxication that intoxication resulted from consumption of maize uh, that was visibly discolored or moldy. This had a lot to do with uh, famine and also crane storage uh, in this part of Kenya. The corn that was uh, examined uh, had a range of 20 to 8,000 parts per billion uh, aflatoxin. Uh, it was widespread over three major communities in Kenya. Uh, the maize uh, this particular year was harvested when wet. There was a food shortage. Uh, what this does is it demonstrates uh, the need, uh, especially in developing countries, for uh, education, uh, proper harvesting, uh, drying, and, and uh, food storage uh, to enhance uh, food safety, minimize the impact of toxic mold. So this gives you uh, another uh, s- uh, perhaps uh, introductory lecture Uh, to another aspect of uh, food toxicology. Uh, We'll follow this up uh, next time uh, looking at uh, other aspects in terms of uh, the toxicology of food, and most specifically the presentation of toxins uh, through the consumption of seafood and marine animals. Until that time, we'll see you later.